what I found, at least in the mock jury selections, is people were very relaxed and comfortable. You know, they're in their home. They don't have to report. You know, they're not all grumpy from reporting to a jury room. You can see their face. The masks on jurors does handicap you a little bit, not as much as I would have thought. Hey, this is Sean Kernakin, and you're tuned into Civil Action. This is the podcast of Cabotech LLP. We're a firm in downtown LA that does a lot of different work on the plaintiff's side. And we put this podcast on so we can share with you what we are learning about the law. Our weekly podcast is dedicated to important topics for lawyers and issues in the law. We have guests. We talk about recent cases. We talk about trends. We talk about practice areas. We try to help people be better lawyers and learn about the law. In some ways, you can look at this as a 15 to 20 minute law school class each week. Hey, this is Brian Kavadek, and Welcome back to Civil Action with Sean Kernikian. And today we have a special guest. We're doing a little series on different people that help us in our practice that can help you in your practice and that have helpful things to share about the work that we do. Today, we have Harry Plotkin, a jury consultant extraordinaire who works with his wife, Claire, who we've had the pleasure of working with before, who has great things to always share with us and has always shared his infinite wisdom with us. Right, Brian? Yeah. And and I know Harry has helped us with focus groups, picking juries, understanding issues that come up and understanding what how juries are going to perceive a case, a particular case, he works with some of the finest lawyers in California. But Harry, why don't you for us, before we get into today's topic, which is going to be sort of picking a jury post-pandemic or at the tail end of COVID as we are today when we're recording this, tell us what what you do just generally in your practice. Sure. And it's a pleasure and great, great to see you guys and be on here with you. You know, my job fundamentally is understanding how the whole spectrum of regular people think about cases, whether it's lawsuits in general or the issues involved, and helping lawyers to understand basically every perspective that there is and which ones are going to be good for them, which ones are going to be bad. But, you know, really, it comes down also to helping lawyers understand how regular people think, because there's a lot of lawyers out there that kind of feel that the way that they and their colleagues react to a case is really not that different than the way that a jury would react. And, you know, jurors are just completely, have a completely different mentality than any judge or or lawyer. So the first takeaway from this today is lawyers are not regular people. Yes, they're, (laughs) you know, regular people plus maybe if you want to put it. Special. Yeah, they're special. (laughs) They're special. Exactly. Specially abled. And so, but jurors, you know, I mean, they don't, as much as they would love to care about the law and want to follow the law, that doesn't necessarily mean that they understand the law. And some of them, many of them really don't necessarily care about following the letter of the law. They want to follow the spirit of the law and what they think is fair. And their ideas about what's fair sometimes is very, very different from the law. And, you know, you and I know, and any trial lawyer knows that sometimes judges will ask in jury selection a question like, regardless of whether you disagree with the law, you know, that I read to you, are you going to be able to follow it? And jurors will in a vacuum say, yeah, that's, that seems fine. But, you know, how many people really, if you heard a law that you said, that sounds ridiculously unfair, would still actually follow it? Very few people. And so- Or uh, justify it in their minds. They could say that they're following the law, but I didn't believe this witness. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with law and with contracts. Jurors will say, that doesn't sound right. That must not be what it means. And then they'll substitute- their understanding of what's fair for what the contract must really mean or what the law must really mean. 
All right, so let's sort of jump into today's topic and then we can see where it takes us. Here we are now. This is this is late October. This is being recorded late October of 2021. Sean's just impressed that I know basically what date it is. He's that's probably that's overwhelming. Very good. You got the month and year. And we're we're coming out of some respect this this pandemic, this horrible pandemic and what happened to, you know, the business of law and all that. Let's talk about jurors today. And I know this is a big, broad question, but we'll sort of follow it up. How are jurors perceiving things today? And what should lawyers be careful of when they're picking a jury? Sure. Well, let me give you two real quick answers. One for any of the, the defense lawyers out there is that jurors these days love insurance companies. And, and so defense counsel should really just take everything to trial. But for the plaintiff trial lawyers, I'll tell the real the real story, which is that you know jurors, in my experience, and I probably have picked... I want to ballpark 15 or 16 juries post-COVID since the, tr- the courts have reopened. And, you know, I found that jurors themselves are not incredibly different, but I think in some not insignificant ways, they are better for, for plaintiffs. I think they are a little bit more fed up with bad excuses. I think they're a little angrier at irresponsible companies, irresponsible conduct. They're a little more annoyed. They really don't have as much patience for BS. And so I think that they are they are better. I think that they're more emotionally raw and they get more and more than they ever used to, you know, how, how valuable the quality of life is and how, how valuable a human life is. Now, of course, you know, everything is polarizing. And so there's obviously some jurors who are just pissed off to be there and even more hostile toward lawsuits. But on the whole, I think that it's a good era right now for an environment for, for plaintiff lawyers to try their cases. What do you think drove jurors or people in general, I guess, to become that way, because that's kind of what jurors are. They're people. Right, exactly. For the most part. For the most part. Apparently more people than lawyers. They're more people they're not than always, lawyers. That's right. They're closer to people on the spectrum than they are closer to lawyers, which is a they good thing. They are. Yeah. I mean, when they're in the courtroom called in the first, you know, moments when they're called for jury duty, you know, they're maybe not the best versions of themselves as people. But you know, I think to, to answer your question, I think that uh, you know, just just going through what we all went through or you know, you realize there's a lot of things that you can't take for granted. I think that they recognize that, you know, life is short and it's, and it's precious. And I think also that just seeing a lot of things that made people angry, whether no matter where you are in the political spectrum, I think almost everybody was angry about something and angry about how the government was acting one way or the other or corporations, whether you were, you know, conservative or liberal. And so I think all that kind of anger and frustration has translated into people expecting more responsible better conduct. And so I think that some of the old tricks that, you know, defense lawyers and defense defendants use to justify things just aren't flying quite as well with nearly as many people. Let let me ask you this question. If I'm picking a jury today, what sort of key indicators am I looking for for a bad juror for a plaintiff's case? What what would you say, hey, Brian, listen for these kinds of words or these kinds of phrases or this kind of opinion? Other than the you know obvious, I hate plaintiffs and I think the civil justice system is unfair and hot coffee and that kind of stuff. Sure. I think that people who are really, really angry to be there are never great. People who, you know, the, the juror who's come up with five different excuses why to the judge why they can't serve and, you know, it's financial hardship. And I also have my job is too busy and they have three other things too that they want to tell you about and just look just angry to be there. They were never good. And I think they're probably even worse now because some of those people are probably under a little bit more financial and personal strain. And, you know, as, as plaintiffs, we never like people there who are, who are angry because they're, they're just not going to be as empathetic. But also, I think people who, you know, are more cynical about just, you know, talking about how everybody suffers and everybody's got pain or everybody's got financial problems. 
how about anti-vaxxers? I mean, I don't know if there's a way to elicit that, but let's say you got somebody to say they think this is all a hoax and they're anti-vaccine. What's your what's your initial impression about them? You know, for me, I mean, and I've done a lot of research over this over the last 18 months, but even before this, for me, and maybe it's in a California thing more than anything else, because, you know, a California conservative is probably more liberal than a Mississippi Democrat to some degree. Maybe. But, you know, for me, I mean, Trump jurors, conservative jurors aren't necessarily bad or even necessarily worse than than very liberal jurors. And I found that, you know, very, very progressive liberal jurors sometimes make terrible plaintiff jurors. I remember one time when it must have been in 2016 when the early on in the election when I saw this lady come in and she was dressed, you know, knitted everything, knitted hat, you know, Birkenstocks, big Bernie Sanders button on her bag. And I was thinking, oh, this is, you know, well, this will be good. This will be a good jerk. And she was the worst one. And she was sitting there talking about how horrible it is that someone can get enriched by lawsuits. And I think a lot of the really liberal jurors think there's a lot more big problems. I mean, a million dollars could feed, you know, how many homeless people could it feed or, or, and so why are we giving all this money to this one injured person who doesn't need $5 million or $10 million, if it's, even if it's a serious injury? So by the same token, I think that conservative jurors, sometimes they don't, I mean, Trump supporters don't really like big companies. And I've had a lot of Trump jurors on, on juries that were great for us. Now, anti-vaxxers, you know, that's a good question. I mean, I would, ha- I would have to kind of see how angry and hostile that they are and, and maybe their issues involved you know, medical experts or scientific experts, I'd have to think twice about them. That would probably give me some pause and I'd have to scrutinize them more. But if the, that same person was talking about how they think the companies are unethical these days and they don't like, you know, safety is important to them. They're always financially motivated or something. Right. I mean, remember some of the anti-vaxxers get that way because they're very distrustful of corporations. They think right. corporations are, and they also believe that their health and safety is very important. If that's what's motivating them, you know, could you imagine? I mean, Monsanto wouldn't want them. And I think in a trial or a pharmaceutical company wouldn't right. want them. And, and so a lot of companies might not want them. And I might be fine with them. Let me try on a theory on you that I, I sort of have subscribed to for 20 years now, because 9-11 was 20 years ago. And after 9-11, when we started trying cases again, there was a very distinct line. Now, I'm not sure where the line was, but it was a very distinct line in the sense that if you had a good case and you were on the right side of that line, jurors would do real well for you. They give you good awards. But if you had a case which was marginal or looked like you were pushing the envelope or the client wasn't honest, after right after 9-11, I'm talking about, it was much worse for, for a plaintiff in that situation. It was almost like the jurors were mad that they were there. A, do you think that's accurate? And B, do you see any of those trends today? You know, I think that's probably true to a large degree. And I'm fortunate to try a lot of, you know, really good cases, but I have seen, yeah, I have seen some, some staggeringly low verdicts on some soft tissue cases and smaller cases. I think that is the case. I think the people are, you know, they've seen just such such suffering and, and big things happening that if somebody comes in with something pretty minor, they probably are getting pissed off about it. You know, I don't know if it's quite as bad. The, the one big difference between, I think, 9-11 and now is remember after 9-11, there was this feeling that we're all coming closer together and every, but we're all one America and now it's sort of, sort of the opposite. I don't think that's necessarily bad for us because one thing that we've learned is on the plaintiff side is that polarizing the case can be a really good thing. And, you know, jurors who are angry tend to be really good. If we get them, anger is more important than sympathy for, for us. But, but I do think that that's true. I mean, there are some, some parallels to 9-11 for sure. 
uh, these issues that you talk about, and sometimes you say like, oh, I don't know, I have to look into that. I know that you guys have the ability to test for those things, right, As, on, a, on a particular case. And so I wanted to ask a little bit more about the logistics post-COVID of doing your work. And I'm sure, I'm sure maybe there's lawyers out there that think, oh, well, we can't get a focus group together in a room, so what do we do? So how do you feel about Zoom focus groups or using kind of like questionnaires online and surveys and things like that? How is that working out for you? Sure. Yeah. Certainly early in the pandemic, I pivoted to doing that. If you would ask me, I remember on my birthday, which is in late March of 2020, a law firm wanted to, that I hadn't seen them in three weeks. Imagine that, you know, at that time it was like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. Decided to sing me happy birthday on Zoom. And I had no idea what Zoom was. And then, you know, a couple of months later, I'm doing webinars on Zoom and I'm doing focus groups on Zoom. And so I've been doing, I mean, these days I've been doing both in-person and Zoom focus groups, but Zoom focus groups, especially for out of town are, are wonderful. Jurors are just as engaged. They can see you, they can hear you just as well. You can see them, obviously they're close up on the camera. They can see exhibits and videos and everything. And I've also done a lot of, especially during that time when the courts were closed, a lot of research on cases and jury research on jury attitudes. And so I also have been doing a lot of uh, what I call online case studies where we have jurors fill out extensive questionnaires and run the case by them online. They read you know, both sides of the case with larger numbers. And so doing all of that has really been fun and, and interesting and jurors love to do it these days. And so, yeah, it's been really helpful to kind of learn a lot in the last 18 months, especially when I had a lot more time with no trials going on about how jurors think and how they respond to COVID and safety and reporting to jury service and all that stuff. Have you picked a jury, Harry, online? You know, I have not, and not in a trial. I mean, I have done, I did probably four or five, uh, no more than that, actually, maybe maybe more like six to eight online mock vaudeers with real mock jurors that we recruited either for webinars or seminars. I did one for, you know, a BOTA, but I have not done any in an actual trial. You know, there was a lot of talk early on about them doing that, and then it just didn't seem to materialize. I know there have been a handful of them, and in some places, someone they were saying in in Oregon and I think in Washington, they've been doing that. Alameda County. I know that for a fact there were a couple up in Alameda County. Yeah, yeah, they did. And they've still, I think, are doing a little bit of online trials in Alameda County. They did a little bit in Riverside. But, you know, in Southern California, I don't think they really did much. I don't think I've heard of one where they kind of picked the jury online and then did the trial live. Well, there's a judge in Riverside who threatened to force people to do online jury trials, which I think is patently unconstitutional. But I, I haven't actually heard of one taking place in Riverside. So it may have been all bark and no bite. I don't know. But there were a couple. But the thing here is, I would not. Well, I want your view. Good idea or bad idea? Oh, online church to do the whole trial online or just the jury selection? Both. Let's let's talk about both. Let's start with picking a jury. Online. Sure, picking a jury. You know, I don't have an issue with it, and, and I was sort of advising people when it seemed like that was going to be an option. You know, I think I wrote an article for for the Cala, you know, magazine, basically saying, you know, for me, if I have a choice between in person with masks and online with no masks, I probably would pick online because what I found, at least in the mock jury selections, is people were very relaxed and comfortable. You know, they're in their home. They don't have to report. You know, they're not grumpy from reporting to a jury room. You can see their face. You actually can see, you know, their house. I mean, Brian, you know, I'm learning a lot about both of you just by seeing your backgrounds over there. (laughs) But, you know, with the jurors, I mean, you can see all kinds of things in the background and learn a lot about them. And they were, you know, without a judge in the room with them, I think I feel like they felt more comfortable speaking in their minds. And so if I had the choice, I'd be totally fine picking a jury online. 
you know, the only tricky part about it is I, they were talking about doing it only in batches. And so, you know, you'd have to probably repeat yourself a lot. You talk to eight to 10 jurors and then. Is it beneficial to do it? Even if you did it one-on-one or, you know, one juror at a time, you kind of lose that community discussion that sometimes we take advantage of. You get a bad juror, you know, you're going to lose this juror because he's he or she is so good for you. You know, I hate insurance companies. I've had nothing but problems with insurance companies. You know that juror is gone, but you want to spend the next five minutes reinforcing in the other people in the courtroom why insurance companies are bad. So you lose that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be okay with it if it was if you had at least eight to twelve people at a time. But if it's one on one by one, I wouldn't want to do it that way. I hate. Yeah, that. that's not efficient. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, completely inefficient. Now, in terms of trying your whole case online versus in person, I know some people. There were some apparently great results from some some Zoom trials. There was a huge verdict. I remember out there, and I think that Ben Crump tried in Florida, and there's some others. I heard of a few that were defended. I think a couple couple asbestos cases in Alameda County that both got defensed. I believe it's hard to say. I mean, I think just my gut feeling is I'd probably rather have it in person where I think a good lawyer in front of jurors in person can do a lot more. I probably would prefer to do it in person for the trial. But you don't have a strong preference for in person for jury selection, huh? No, only because the one thing I found is that the masks on jurors does handicap you a little bit, not as much as I would have thought. And I know my wife, Claire, who's also a a tremendous jury consultant, feels a little bit differently because she really loves to see reactions on faces. She loves to see who's smiling and who's scowling and who's laughing or not laughing. And you kind of lose that. I'm I'm with Claire, by the way. Yeah, I think it's hard to do much where you're either asking witnesses a question or asking jurors a question and they have masks on. I'm on team Claire on that one. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, and I'm, I'm on the same team too. I mean, I prefer it. I just, I'm, I think it's not quite as bad. I've, I've been picking jurors with masks on has been okay. But one thing you have to do is you really, even bef- as opposed to before with no mask, you really have to get them talking open-ended. You can't just rely on a nod or a smile. Anymore. Yeah, you 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 bring up a really good point, though, which is I know that from talking to law students, they felt a lot more comfortable participating in class online because they didn't feel the you know pressure of standing up in front of 100 people. It's got to be true because, you know, when I pick jurors and you ask jurors questions, well, you know, Miss Smith, tell me a little bit more about this bad experience you have with insurance company. Tell me, you know, they're kind of state they're stage fright. Most people, you know, not the three of us, but most people have stage fright and they don't want to talk. So it's got to be better online from that standpoint. You know, they don't, they feel less uncomfortable. True? I think so to the most, yeah, they're in their homes, you know, they're, they're sitting on their couch or whatever. They didn't have to, you know, sit through, you know, an hour of traffic in LA or something like that. But I, I bet some people I'm sure are still a little nervous. They're sitting and seeing all these screens and they're probably, is this being recorded and what's, who's watching this? But I think on, on the balance, I think that people are way more comfortable in their homes and without the judge sitting there you know, staring at them. I mean, I, I, I'm sure they can even, if they want to, they can just, you know, hit the little button and scroll the judges, you know, script off the, off the page that they're looking at. So I agree with you. I think they are more comfortable. Uh, and I've seen all kinds of wild things when we did these. I mean, there was one I remember where one of the jurors was zooming in from a golf course. He was sitting in a, sitting in a golf cart. He had a little cigarette <laughs> in his mouth at one point, you know, during a jury selection. And people laughed and said, oh, that's just a webinar. But then I heard stories about people zooming in from their beds you know, in actual jury selections and trial and having trouble with, you know, jurors, like, what are they doing in the background? So people, I guess they're they're very, very comfortable on Zoom. (laughs) That's funny. Was that in a real trial or real jury selection where someone zoomed in from a golf course? 
that was one of my webinars where we did a mock jury selection. And, okay. you know, I think Bob Simon was one year in this guy. And he was just, yeah, he was sitting in a golf cart. He had, and he had the little cigarette hanging from his mouth kind of down. He was just kind of, he had a baseball cap on and he said some, frankly, some, you know, interesting things, but, but the, but from real trials, I did hear, you know, that you hear about the, you know, yeah. jurors in bed, are they falling asleep? Are they paying attention? It's hard to monitor. I, and that's one of the things that is funny. I don't know, I want to see how you guys feel about it. I remember when they were talking about doing Zoom trials in LA, I said, you know, the one thing that we need to convince the judges is they're not going to be in control. They're used to being in control of everybody in that courtroom. And if someone tries to take a restroom break, oh, where are you going? Nope, come back, you know, on yeah. Zoom. They have no control. The person could just turn it off. They could leave the room. I mean, would you feel comfortable as lawyers with that when you have just have no control necessarily over the jurors? Nope. I would never try a case online. I would never try a case online. Now, look, I'm significantly older than Sean. He reminds me of that every day. There may come a point in Sean's career where cases are being tried on online, maybe, you know, maybe smaller value cases, no disrespect to them. They deserve their day in court too. Maybe those will be tried. Maybe the format will change. Maybe there'll be a different, you know, platform for that kind of stuff. But or maybe I would, they'll it, have to do like a jury selection will be online. There'll be a pre-trial phrase where certain things are done online and and then the actual trial is in person or certain witnesses. It could be ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, we're not going to be here in court. We're going to be doing witnesses remotely. So you can, as long as you're online by certain time, well, you can stay at home and you can do it at the privacy of your home. You don't have to come to court maybe, and maybe it'll, it'll be a way of unclogging courts. I was on a judicial council committee call last week and they were talking about how there could be certain functions where you don't need a courtroom to have the judicial officer do things and it would save space, it would save time. It, it could certainly come to that. And I don't know necessarily if that would be bad. You know, tomorrow we're gonna do, we're gonna do depositions, we're gonna play videos, we have a witness who's appearing remotely, and we don't need you to come in the courtroom and the judge, that courtroom could be used for something else, or you know, it could just be done easier. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are answers out there. Look, if you ask me, I'm doing too much talking here. This is Harry's show, but if you ask me five years ago about the possibility of doing hearings and online law in motion online depositions online i would have said ah, i don't know that sounds far-fetched but look where we are now yeah, yeah now we're at a point where if i find out that one of my associates is going somewhere to do a hearing i'm kind of blown away i'm like well, why are you going in person which judge is requiring you to do that so you know attitudes change my gut as a younger lawyer as i'm significantly younger than brian but everyone is then, yeah but my opinion does not significantly defer. Like I'm not that comfortable with the idea of doing trials online. I, I still think a big portion of it, I'd prefer if all of the trial was in person. There's something great about it, but who knows? Maybe I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting old now too. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that the in-person connection is, is, is always better. And, you know, there may be things I may, there may be some things that might be better to kind of delegate online. But the one thing is I, I know depositions though, are very, I mean, a lot of lawyers who I would have guessed otherwise are loving doing depositions on Zoom and feel like it's a more intimate questioning of the witness, you know, which is nice. But in person for, for jurors, I think they need to see the plaintiff. I need to think they need to see the, the witnesses. They need to see the lawyer. It's just, it's a little, it's so kind of impersonal. And it's almost like watching a TV show a little bit on Zoom. I totally agree. I totally agree. Right, let's, let's, in our last couple of minutes here, Let's talk about trends. Where, where do you see things going in the next five or 10 years? And I, I mean, with juror attitudes, with picking juries, issues like that, anything you've given thought to that you can share with us? You know, it's hard to, it's, it's always hard to know what's around the corner. I, I feel like the one thing that's been consistent in the last 10 years is that 
plaintiff lawyers are just doing a better job than defense lawyers. I think for a number of reasons, they just we just try more cases. We're just more invested in it. We have just share information a lot more. You know, we're at, and and the, that's the funny thing is that I, I think we always have the disadvantage. I mean, a, a plaintiff lawyer I think has to be at least two times as good as a defense lawyer to win. Maybe even more sometimes in some kind of cases. You know, med mal it could be three or four times. You have to be three or four times better. But consistently, I think we are. And so I think I, I don't really see anything that's going to create a backlash going the other way this moment. But you never know. You just never know what is going to be the weird McDonald's coffee case or, or whatever it is that kind of turns things around. Any any trends that you guys? Yeah, I'm concerned. One thing I'm concerned about is, is you know, without mentioning names, there have been high, some high profile plaintiff lawyers who have become, you know, publicly disgraced still for the way they've treated their clients. Any backlash you see from that, that concerns me. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it. I haven't heard it from jurors, but it does concern me. I think that impression, although I will say, I mean, it's not even throughout the last, you know, 10, 20 years when things have been going well, it's not like trial lawyers have a great reputation to begin with. It's just, you know, and for jurors, it's just, who is the, who is the person in front of me? And when the person in front of me does a good job of establishing credibility, um, you know, I think a lot of that tends to go away. Um, It's very easy to say, you know, hey, I, I know most cases may be frivolous and a lot of lawyers may be bad, but can you be fair to this one in front of you? A lot, most jurors have to do a good, pretty good job of doing that. And, you know, for the great trial lawyers, to me, the, the, re, the thing, the reason that great trial lawyers are just so impressive is that you can have the best reputation in the whole world and had a billion amazing verdicts and all that matters to that jury that you're in front of, they don't know about any of that. Maybe that's a good thing, but you've got to do it from scratch every single time. And so I think as long as we don't lose sight of that, I think we'll be okay. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think that there is that perception of, you know, and, and most most jurors don't know anything about, you know, that we know about in the legal profession. But there has been a couple that have gotten out that <laughs> you certainly have have to be concerned about. Well, Harry, you've been a terrific guest today. Thank you very much for being our guest. Harry Plotkin, jury consultant extraordinaire. He and his Harry, wife, why Claire. Harry, why don't you share with us where people can find you, look you up, you know, I think Harry can provide a lot of valuable insight for people. So why don't you share with us where we can find you? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, for plaintiff trial lawyers looking to get in touch, my website is yournextjury.com. You can email me at harry at yournextjury.com. For insurance defense lawyers, you can go on Google and just type jury consultant and get in touch with someone else, unfortunately. But I wish you the best of luck too. But yeah, happy to happy to help out anybody in this profession and, and pleasure talking to you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you for the service you provide to the plaintiff's community. It's invaluable. And you help us lawyers be more like normal people than than special the special lawyers we are. So but we're not. But we're not normal. Thank you. You're not normal. No, we're special. Thank you, Harry. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you for listening today. We really appreciate it. This is Brian Kabatek. You can reach me at bsk at kbklawyers.com. And I'm Sean Kernick, and you can find me online at sk at kbklawyers.com. And as you might have guessed, our website is kbklawyers.com. You could find us on all social media platforms at Cabotech LLP. We like putting on the show. We appreciate you listening. If you can, go online and like us, give us ratings, follow us on all the different platforms. If you know someone that practices in a particular area and you, you think they might find this useful, feel free to share it with them. And feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions, if you want to bring an interesting case to our attention, you have a potential case you want advice on from us, we'd be happy to help you out if we can. And we'd love to hear from you. 